Hello, doll friends, and welcome to the 26th episode of Breaching Extinction. This week, I had the chance to talk to founders of PNW Protectors, Cy Scammell and Sonoma Cormick. They share some really cool stories about their experiences and how they came into doing the inspiring work they do. Hope you guys enjoy it. Good to see you. Good to good to hang out with you and get to spend this time with you. I'm so grateful. Yeah, I'm excited. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization, what you guys do, and kind of what your mission is? Yeah, kind of. We we both. It's funny how it all started because it was just a tiny little movement that started from just little things. So we're both. We love the ocean a lot, and we're both free divers. So we love to be under the water, and we love to interact with all the sea creatures. And so we've spent a lot of time all around the world free diving. And when we moved here, it was definitely to spend more time in this awesome water. And because we both love the orcas incredibly, and. When we got here, it was about five years ago, we started noticing like this strange phenomenon where these amazing orcas kept disappearing and it was alarming and it was, it was happening too often and it was heart-wrenching each time. And we both were like, what, what, is, what is going on? Like, why do they keep, why are so many of these orcas in this little population dying? This is mm-hmm. outrageous. And during that time, we had a really amazing experience where we were free diving in the in the kelp forest off of Limekiln, mm. and all of J-Pod <gasps> swam by, and it was it, it was sacred. It was really incredible to be underwater with them, and it was amazing because when Sai saw them swimming towards us, he literally said, "Oh my gosh, look at that huge black sailboat." Because their dorsal fin looked just gigantic from the eye level of being on the water, even lower than even a kayak. Uh And it was, it just, I don't know, it was almost, I sound silly saying this, but it was really hallowed. It was almost like a mystical experience being underwater with them and having them singing through our bones and communicating and vocalizing under the water and getting to hear them interacting and just, The takeaway was their extraordinary intelligence, their kindness, and that they're slipping from this world. And we both were like, we have to do something. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm Mm -hmm. not a marine biologist. I am not a whale-watching captain. I'm not any of these amazing... (laughs) um, I don't have these talents, but I do love these orcas, and I love being underwater with them. So we both were like, "Let's, let's... kind of emulate what the orcas do and let's look for everyone's superpower. So there's Joe Gatos, who's the founder of uh, CDOC and then there's Ken Balcom and then there's um, Dr. Deborah Giles and there's Gloria Bancrazi and Elena and then Morgan. There's all these amazing people. And then there, what we found out about another documentary team with, um, Alex and Maria and Maisie Williams making a documentary and it was all starting to fit together and then at that time little Sonic J52 he passed away and it was almost like we couldn't take it anymore we're like Mm -hmm. all right it's on I don't know how to do this we're gonna wing it but when he passed away we it was just it was a devastating experience we both kind of looked at each other and and sigh I mean, he can tell you the story, but he was, it was pretty awesome. He was like, we've got to do something. 
and we both were like, well, how we we how are we going to do anything? It's just two of us. And then we both thought, well, if we emulate the orcas we're trying to protect, they would work together. So what if we work with people who are the storytellers and people who are making the documentaries and the scientists and the marine biologists and the kingpins like Ken Malcolm and um, Howard Garrett and Dr. Deborah Giles and Joe Gatos and then how about the awesome people who are on the water every day, like Sarah Shimazu and Gary Sutton and Tasley Shaw? What if we all lend our superpower, our love, our inherent gifts, and try to all do something together? And so we just decided, all right, we're going to showcase what everyone's good at, and we're going we're gonna to build an extinction rebellion here. Nice. I like that. Thank you. It's, it's really been strange because we've been winging it. We don't really... <laughs> I've been doing the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. I listened to, of course, I'm going to forget his name, but the guy who founded Patagonia, I listened to a podcast of his uh-huh, and that's kind of what, yeah, it inspired me because he was like, you know, one day I just decided I'm going to do it. Like, and yeah. I was like, that was like the push that I needed. But sometimes you do just have to, to wing it and see what happens. Yeah, you really do. And I think there's magic when that happens, like, um, in the book, The Alchemist, um, by, Paulo Coelho, he talks about like kind of when you're on your soul's path, there's there's magic that happens and things will move out of the way and then things will kind of come in and just orca people just kind of came out of the woodwork like, oh, you love orcas? You want to protect orcas? I do too. And it almost makes this familial bond like, oh, you would do anything to help the orcas? Then that makes us brothers and sisters. Like, all right, we're in this together. And I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of orca conservation, albeit it's excruciating and heart-wrenching to be protecting these orcas slipping from this world. But on the other side, you get to see how beautiful humanity is because when we love something, we are spectacular. Like Jacques Cousteau said, Mm -hmm. people will protect what they love. And it's amazing to see what people will do when they're emblazoned to protect a species slipping into extinction. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I agree with what you're saying about like, your, you know, when you find your soul's path and there is definitely a commonality, there's something inherent in orca people that we all have in common and I can't put a finger on what it is, um, but there definitely is something innate. That's like, that's so beautiful the way that you worded it. So oh, thank you. Yeah. So what exactly is your mission? Obviously, we want to save the whales, um, but do you guys have like a mission statement yeah, well, I mean, we've kind of just developed it over time. Sai's really good at kind of uh, devising the the skeleton or the framework of what this thing is, because at first it was like, well, we just got to band everyone together. And Sai kind of came up with an awesome action plan. Yeah, I think there's three main entities uh, that we're kind of focusing everything on. Uh, one is restoration. Uh, and what that has to do with is we're free divers. We, we never asked to get into conservation and never expected it, but we love the ocean. We love cetaceans uh, and everything that comes with the ocean. Uh, so being that our skills started out with just being underwater, uh, we feel like there's, there's a unique viewpoint that we have, I guess, that others uh, may have not. And we wanted to bring that underwater world to the people and to the scientists, um, because we are underwater 
so often we actually are able to see the, the change in the ecosystem and take pictures and, and take some videos and submit what we're finding if there's anything that has any kind of anomalies that, I mean, we're not scientists at all. So we, we basically gather the footage and send it to uh, people like Joe Gatos, uh, Friday Harbor Labs, or anybody who we see fit, even WDFW, of, hey, is this normal? Um, I don't know if you saw on the website the urchin video that we produced last autumn, but there is an unbelievable amount of urchins uh, right now all throughout Salmon Island, but specifically lime kiln, where it's just become an urchin barren and they're uh, taking out the kelp forest. So, you know, most of these organizations, they don't spend um, as much time underwater as they probably would want to. I know some of them love it, <laughs> but because we get to be under there, we get to show, hey, this is what's up. Um, is this the direct reflection from the sea star wasting disease? And because the sea star wasting disease happened in September 2014, and they're the ones, specifically the sunflower stars, that would eat the urchins. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that they're gone, the urchins are taking over and they're just feasting on all the kelp, which, mm-hmm. of course, is the habitat for juvenile salmon and herring, which is a very big deal for the southern resident orcas. So that's kind of like our um, one of the three things that we're really uh, looking at and um, going underneath uh, the fold and and ensuring that everything looks normal. And if not, we report back. Yeah, and then it, it was another way to really include that, like, this is what we're seeing, and we want to share it, obviously, but then it was also reaching out to different scientists and forming more friendships and more bonds together with, we're all in this thing together, and it's going to literally require everyone it's all hands on deck if we're going to save this species from extinction. And so just me alone or maybe even just the scientists alone, it's going to require all of us in this huge effort. And so we thought, well, this is something we can lend, even though we're not maybe, I don't know, as skilled at understanding the ocean as a marine biologist, but we are the eyes beneath the sea right now. And so it was a really neat avenue to, share that through through free diving, which was special. And then the other piece to kind of our mission statement has been... Well, it kind of that's a perfect segue to empower. Empowering. That's, that's our second one. It was empowering is, I'd say, probably our most substantial platform that we utilize um, because all the, I think all the pieces of the puzzle are out there, mm-hmm. but it's the public that is the glue that brings everything together. So all the best science is has already been done for practically 40 years, whether it's from the transients or the residents or the salmon. Um, but for the most part, what we notice, and I think that was our, our big leap, say, hey, let's go ahead and do this, is the public just didn't know. And they just had no idea what the issue was or if there even was an issue and what they can do about it. I think that's the two big pieces. And we realized that because we didn't know as the public. Right. We we saw Governor Jay Inslee doing what he could to protect the orcas, but we didn't know all the facts yet. And we thought if we as the public don't know, maybe there's more people like us that don't know. And when you're when you have an informed understanding of an issue, you can make decisions from a place of intelligence and heart. So not only do you love the orcas, but you also understand what they need to survive and thrive. And it creates this whole picture. And from that point, you can vote and make decisions to alter the imbalance 
more mindfully. Yeah, I 100% agree with what you're saying. And most people, they don't know. And that's been a huge theme on the last, like, couple episodes. The last, like, you know, couple groups of people that I've talked to is, like, we need the public to know. And I agree, it's all hands on deck. And I, you know, you said a couple times, like, you know, you're not the science people. You're not this or that. But, like, I very strongly believe that we need everybody. And I agree that we have, everybody's got a special gift or a special talent and, like, you know, what you guys do may speak to somebody that like, you know, you know, this podcast may not, you know, hit somebody the same way that your videos do. Um, and that's, that's right. how we, you know, if everybody's doing their part, I, I'm hopeful that we can get the dams down. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, I, you know, I agree with your mission. I love what you guys are doing. And I think that that's, that's so important because people don't think that they're important or that they play a role and they totally do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's that quote that action is the antidote to despair, because if you're just reading about how we're down to 72 now and we just I mean, Mega is presumed no longer alive and it's heart it's heartbreaking. And so mm -hmm. to hold that by yourself is like, what am I going to do? I'm alone. Like, what can one person do? But then there's the that quote, action is the antidote to despair. And that's why empower that word is part of our mission statement is here's the things you can do. Here's some actions. Here's the numbers to call. Here's the addresses to write the letters. Here's this march going on. Here's the forthcoming documentaries. Here's the issues at large. This is what's going on with the salmon. Here's the people who that the, you have NOAA and BPA and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, all three are violating the Endangered Species Act and have been doing that by blatantly ignoring the fact that these orcas need more food and the salmon, if they slip from into extinction, so do the orcas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And as you said, it's we're, we're going to go at this at every direction. So as you pointed out, whether it's podcasts, whether it's social media, uh, whether executive producers of co-extinction film, uh, we are assisting with searching for Chinook. Uh, we've created a couple videos with Sea Doc Society. Uh, we take people underwater because whenever we have a saying, you know, they go in to the Salish uh, loving it, but whenever they go free diving and come out, they come out zealots. <laughs> they just, they want to do everything that they possibly can to protect it. And, and that's what we need. We need to get as many people aware and involved as we possibly can. And, and as Snow just pointed out, that's why we really push hard on the March for the Dams uh, to try to get as much international attention as possible. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. You gotta, you have to do all of it. I actually, the episode that came out today, because we were recording this a week in advance, but um, I was with Gloria and she talked about like what she learned and everything. And I'm really hopeful that when they do round two of the March for the Dams, that it's going to mm -hmm. be way more powerful. I think this kind of needed to happen, like her kind of do a test run. Um, totally. Because now we, we have the tools to figure it out. But, you know, I think right now, the way that I see it and kind of where my motivation is, is we need to, to draw more public attention to it. I think that's the first thing. That's like the next clear step. And then I think that we need to take legal action. That's kind of where I've kind of come in the next like week or like that's kind of like the biggest thing I think that's going to be effective. But I don't know. So I think it takes everything. I think what you're saying is this brainstorming of like what needs to happen on every level. I think it's all viable right now because if if these orcas, worst case scenario, they if they go into they if they go extinct, 
Well, at least we all gave it 100% every day and we tried. And because I don't think any of us would be able to live with ourselves if we just sat back and let apathy take over and thought, well, there's nothing I can do. So no, there's a lot we can all do. And I think the more we all band together, and I think you're right through your storytelling and presenting different points of view and through the documentaries that show the story and through the amazing science that's being done. And even through the incredible whale watchers who have established these bonds with these whales who are kind of like the uh, sentinels on the sea protecting them in a way. And, Mm -hmm. And they know where they are and they've established these incredible friendships. I feel like it takes everyone. And I feel like any idea right now is viable i feel like we need to just like use everything yeah yeah (laughs) just wing it so yeah like if if somebody's thinking of something you know don't be scared to say hey i have this idea because i mean that's how you know innovation starts if somebody's like hey i have this crazy idea and then everyone's like no that's not gonna work or maybe not but like you just gotta do it you have to try um but yeah i you know i agree with you we i wouldn't like be able to live myself letting this just go by and i feel a lot more powerful knowing that there are so many other people that feel the same way. And like, I think we can only continue to kind of grow this community because like, I mean, it's not hard to do because the whales are so amazing. It's a matter of just reaching people and and sharing that amazingness with them. Exactly. I totally agree. And that, I mean, I keep using these funny quotes, but one person with courage is a majority. And Thomas Jefferson said that. And I feel like if you just kind of boldly, like what you did, you started this podcast and you're sharing all these different points of view. And I feel like that the value of this is ineffable. People, they listen to this. And even if they've never even seen a Southern resident, they just know that there's orcas out there. They listen to a couple of these podcasts and listen to these amazing souls that you've interviewed. And they're going to walk away with, whoa, these orcas are really special what is this all about? And I feel like it's, it takes everyone and Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Just like, if you have an idea, (laughs) swim with it, run with it, jump with it, fly with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gloria came to us in December. Um, We're dear friends with her and she's on our staff as well. But she was like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this March for the dance. And we're like, you want to walk from Portland (laughs) to the first (laughs) dam? That's your idea. And it was brilliant. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. And it was months of putting together. But yeah, I mean, I never in a million years would have come up with that idea. Um, So I think everyone definitely has their own perspective and their own way of uh, thinking that this can work. And it can. Everyone definitely has a piece to play in all of this. And I, I kind of feel like the more we emulate these orcas that we love and the way that they have their community, there's probably like... J27 and J26 or the scouts or I don't know, K21, they're scouting and they're out Mm -hmm. there looking for what's up. And then you have the the amazing matriarchs who are taking care. And then you have the babysitters and you probably have some that are really good at, I don't know, um, swimming and looking for dangers or listening for dangers. And some are listening for the shimmer of the scales of salmon and they all work together. And if you remove one of those precious souls, the whole orchestra doesn't work as well. Where I feel like if we emulate them, yeah, we're going to breach those stinking dams and we're going to get the fish farms out of Salish and we're going to stop the pipeline. And there's a lot we can do together. Yeah, I I agree. And I think, 
you know, right now, also just given our current global climate in this pandemic, people are starting to realize that we're more connected to each mm-hmm. other than ever. And I think that that can kind of give us some empathy into the orcas world. But we can see that even through this, like we're connected to them and like, like everything, like, you know, there's always a, a, a reaction or a consequence to whatever you do, whether it be positive or negative. And like, if like just because we're all so connected. So it's it's important to see that. I think that people are going to be able to see it easier now just given what we're going through. Yeah, fully. We get this this time, this space, this pause to look around at our life, look around at each other, look around at the sky that's clearing. We were out on the Salish uh, a little bit and we go to the sea every day and there's less boat traffic, there's less tankers, there's less the din of humanity so that these cetaceans can do what they do, which is thrive when we remove ourselves from it. And I think we're going to be able to see that through watching it and mm-hmm. also through the scientific evidence and the data through this time period of, whoa, when humanity stepped back, look at how much it connected humanity in a real way mm-hmm. through through these conversations that are all spirit. But then look at how much nature was able to get a breath and heal a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, this is what we're going through right now is, is, is brutal for a lot of people, but I think there's, you know, sometimes in those brutal life experiences, like the best things come out of them. And I honestly, I really do believe that good things will come out of this and we'll be able to see those changes in nature. And then also, you know, with the scientists out there still working, we can like that's like definitive confirmation that we have an impact which obviously we we always think that we do but like when it's on a complete pause like we you really can see that you know amen so yeah so you guys you go underwater and you collect like you know videos and you take other people what kind of and you provide access to like actions that people can take um what other kind of projects have you worked on in the past that have been successful or inspiring or what kind of plans you have going forward? That is a good question. <laughs> it's always very much evolving. It always seems like there's something uh, massive on the horizon. Um, I think was that uh, two summers ago when we were really in the thick of it with searching for Chinook and co-extinction when it came through, helping them get the proper footage for their movies, uh, and of course, attending the Orca Task Force meetings and bringing those, uh, all the information that was happening and bringing it to the public, that was a big thing and making sure that the public comments were just going through the roof. Uh, and then that just kind of kept evolving as things were happening with Dan Sense and what are other ways we can uh, bring things to the public or to science. And that's when we started just kind of I don't know, just trying to make things a little bit more tight on what's happening and coming up with, uh, like, the platforms you're talking about with restore, empower, and protect. So at this point, now that the march is at uh, intermission, I guess, mm-hmm. that was our big project for mm-hmm. March. Um, right now we are looking at some of the big picture uh, things that are happening because PNW Protectors, the reason why we chose that name, whether the outcome is amazing or not so amazing for the Southern residents, we know that it's not going to end there. There, mm-hmm. there is going to be a constant, I don't know, just like a, a barrage of threats that are continuously happening uh, in the Salish Sea, whether it's fish farms or the pipeline or 
people offering terrible ideas like calling pinnipeds. So that is actually our uh, focus right now is uh, our next project until we are able to get the march back going again is to create a short film uh, about pinnipeds and uh, to finally once and for all hopefully debunk that pinnipeds are not the issue. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was, we kind of have this thought that, um, well, just networking with different amazing scientists who have been collecting this data, who are very much more informed on this than we are, is that the ecosystem is harmed right now and the balance is out of whack. And so because of that, we're just seeing a lot of um, illness, I guess, in the, in the whole ecosystem. And so overfishing of herring, overfishing of of salmon and then you have the dams and you have all these salmon that die every year and you have the eelgrass meadows that are depleted and you have the estuaries that are broken down and you have all these different facets to the ecosystem that are wounded right now and then you pick one thing that you think you want to scapegoat and so we've seen in the past a little bit it's been the pinnipeds and while they are seals and sea lions do eat salmon Mm -hmm. it they also eat a lot of hake fish, which are known to predate on young salmon also. So it's, we're kind of looking at this project in the future of uh, creating kind of a short film, a freediving film where we present some different facts and some alternatives to just that, that quick knee jerk reaction of, Oh, it's the pinnipeds fault Mm -hmm. and kind of going underwater and showing them from a state, a place of this is their home. This is Mm -hmm. how awesome they are. They're they're hilarious sea dogs. And Mm -hmm. then showing, yeah, these are the pinch points in the Columbia river where they are devouring salmon, but then speaking with different scientists who have collected the data and they're presenting it. Well, yeah, they are, but look at what else is impacting this ecosystem that could be resolved without taking the life of these seals and sea lions. So it's, that's kind of the project that we've been ruminating on, especially during this pandemic we're all in while everything is still and paused. And it's hard to think, okay, yeah, let's get back out there and start working again because right. everything is just kind of at the standstill. But that's a project that's forthcoming. Yeah, here's a spoiler alert on how the film ends. Yeah. <laughs> is that if you take out pinnipeds, there's actually less salmon. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the the gist from the science behind everything because as Snow pointed out, hake eat more salmon than uh, pinnipeds do. Pinnipeds feed on sixty two different species of fish, and I think it's two and a half percent of their diet is actually salmon. So as as a you know they do feed on them, and yes, they do eat a lot, but it's nowhere near the amount that if we took them out, that the hake would start eating. Uh, and still on top of that, and we we're actually considering the naming of this movie, The Next Co-Extinction, you know, obviously kind of a play on the other film, but yeah. you take out the food supply for the transients, now the transients are just like the residents. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the, the whole, like, mind-blowing thing that people aren't considering is if you take food away from a species, they will not thrive. And yeah, the, yeah. The transients, the bigs—they are the balance. They're awesome at culling. They're spectacular right. at taking care of those numbers when they get out of whack. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know you're touching on a really important theme of looking at the big picture. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, some people don't understand that the environment is so complex, and like that's to no fault of their their own. It's just like school systems, and also it's you just you're not going to know that if you, if you don't study it, right? 
Um, but like, you know, we kind of have to do the same thing on the social level too, is look at that big picture of like, what role does, do people play in this as well? But yeah, like it's like, you know, you could pull one thing out of it, but this is just goes to show the importance of looking at every single aspect and the role that it plays and then making the best decision based on how collectively it's going to like play out. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's really important. I totally understand it's hard right now to, to work on these things, given that the whole world is on hold. And I feel like realistically speaking, given that most Americans are out of a job right now, um, no one's, no one's going to, they can't put their attention on this at the moment. You know, they have to focus on their own survival. But I think, you know, those of us that are fortunate enough to still be employed and, and be fine, you know, we can continue to focus on what we're going to do, like how we're going to come out of this stronger. Because like right now definitely is not the time to, to do the hard hitting fighting. I think we just, this is a time for planning and um, kind of getting together ideas. But I, you know, that's that's another really important thing to bring to light too. And most environmental issues are not that simple. You can't just take out, you know, one thing and hope that it's all going to work. Right. It's right. there for a reason. Yeah, totally. It's all ecosystem. Everything in it is connected. And if we really want to play the scapegoat game, we can look at the dams and we can look at 8 million salmon a year. There you go. Yep. Absolutely. So clearly you guys, you know, it, it, like you're into empowerment and it seems as though you think individuals have an impact, which I totally agree. What what kind of things can people do on the individual level who are feeling motivated and inspired, you know, by these whales? Sure, yeah, and, and you're absolutely correct. I, I think we, we pointed this out at the beginning is we have amazing scientists, completely amazing. Um, and the reason I believe that politicians aren't always grabbing that amazing science and running with it is because they are nervous about their jobs. They have to have a, an election to be able to keep their job for another four years. And I believe Governor Inslee is up for re-election this year, if I'm not mistaken. So they have to really consider what the public and the people think. And so in that, they're like, okay, okay, all right, I hear the dams, I hear the uh, if we took them down, it would actually be $8 billion over the next 20 years in the, in the positive uh, for the economy of Washington State. Yes, I hear that we'll save two species, the wild Chinook salmon and the orcas. But what about my job? Yeah. <laughs> Do I get to keep my job? And so I think that's, again, why Empower is such a, a massive piece to what we're doing. So um, just last week, they wrapped up the public comments for the environmental impact statement. Uh, so that was obviously a very big focus for us and to get as many comments as we possibly could on it, um, which I'll touch on just briefly here. I mean, that, that, that whole process uh, was ludicrous and would never play out in a, a normal society, I don't think. The, mm -hmm. the very EIS statement was written by the people who were charged basically with a crime and then they're like hey you go and you go ahead and write a 4,000 page report saying how you're actually innocent and we'll call it all good <laughs> so it's just is absolutely asinine so that was our big focus is to to counter that with the public and to let governor Inslee know because he has to look over those comments when the final report is due in September mm -hmm. to really look at it and say okay yeah I he has some common sense 
hopefully he'll look at it and say, okay, it was written by BPA, the Army Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, Bureau of Reclamation. Thank you, yeah. And so they, he then looks at it and says, okay, well, how many people are against it? And then he's going to look at the comments and say, oh, those are my voters. Those are the people that are actually going to uh, be casting their ballots this coming November. Mm-hmm. So now that the public comments period is over, and I don't think they're going to be offering extension, even though a lot of people are pushing for that, he still has to take comments. Governor Inslee, through his website, he still takes calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call daily, and we just say, hey, we're in support of breaching the lower four Snake River dams. This year it needs to happen. Uh, and we, mm-hmm. we say a few other issues like, if calling of pinnipeds ever comes up, we are heavily against it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the thing. And, and these things work. Uh, last, not this January, but the January before that, year and a half ago, uh, a bill was going to come up, actually, about killing pinnipeds, calling them. And we found out about it through some contacts, and we rallied the public, mm-hmm. uh, and we got enough public comments in there that the bill never hit the floor. So that's the power of the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we all if we all put the effort in, we we only get stronger, you know. So, I I'm hopeful that these efforts will be worth it. And even if the dams don't go down this year, I think anything will just call attention to it, and we'll just continue to fight harder, you know, and find exactly. more people um, to go on board with this. Um, but yeah, it definitely. I we're. I think a lot of us are seeing the the corruption. And I talked with Gloria last week, and like that was like what we were talking about. We're like, this is literally criminal activity at this point. And like, you know, um, one of the first things I looked at when I was doing this is like, I, I knew the economic piece of this puzzle was going to be one of the most significant because that's what talks in politics and. You know, most people are kind of a slave to money and it's not a choice. It's just the society we live in. Um, for most people, like they have to have it to live. That's how most people are. But um, every other environmental valuation that's been conducted by somebody that wasn't like the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers says the same thing, maybe a couple differences um, and that the dams need to go down, that it's like an economic burden. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's good that they that they're writing their own thing. And like that's. I mean, that's definitely going to look bad on Jay Inslee, and I don't necessarily believe in using shame as a tool to get things done, but, I mean, we definitely need to hold people accountable. Oh, yeah, and I think there is really something to the power of an informed public all using our voices together. We all have, we know the facts by now. We Mm -hmm. are all cognizant that NOAA and Bonneville Power Administration and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers they drafted an EIS report that is pro-dams, even though the science has proven since 2012 that if it continues down this way, these orcas and wild salmon are going to go extinct and nothing has been done. That is blatant violation of the Endangered Species Act. We all know this fact. We all know that the lower four snake river dams are killing 8 million salmon, young smolts every year and preventing the adults from spawning. We know this. And we know that the salmon, they, the very salmon that swim out of the Fraser River and the Columbia River, which are the two big river systems that have all of the salmon that sustain the southern resin orcas, mm-hmm. they swim to the Gulf of Alaska. That's where they get big and strong and then they swim back to their home rivers. 
And we are all aware of these facts. And when we bring this and we speak these facts to the elected officials, whether it's in Canada or the U.S., and we say, this is what we know, and we're not going to just sit idly by and let you do nothing. We demand change if you want to keep your job. That's where I think we can move mountains or <laughs> breach dams. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we definitely, we need to make fact-based opinions. That's just like the truth of it. And unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of other things that play into that. And I, I think that Inslee is in a really tough spot. Any governor is when, when your job is on the line, like that's your, again, like I just said, your people are slaves to money because they have to be like, you know, he's got to support his family at the end of the day. It's his own survival that he's kind of, that's playing a role in this. But like at the same time, when you're in that position, you have to think about the, the survival of a lot of other beings whether they're humans or animals and like yeah he like we I think that that, that's probably a good approach of like hey we're not going to vote for you if if this isn't done so right yeah and it was a real windfall when Governor Brown uh Kate Brown in Oregon when she wrote that letter to Governor Inslee saying I support breaching these dams that was that was a real windfall right there because Mm -hmm she was even standing up for the orcas and it had nothing to do with human votes. It had everything to do with her awareness to look at, oh my goodness, like there's two species that are hanging in the balance that are on the brink of extinction. This will affect the economy for humanity, but it will also be like Ken Balcom says, a great loneliness of the spirit. If we just simply let them just slip away to oblivion, that's, I don't think any of us can really live with that. And I think at the end of the day, we all know that. And that's what keeps us going, even though this is, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to understand. It's a lot to memorize and learn. And and then it's a lot to apply it. But yeah. we all know the facts. Yeah, and th- that it's worth it. And I think, you know, most things in life that are that are difficult and challenging are often worth it in the end. So hopefully this will be one of those things. And if it doesn't work out the way we want it to, which... You know, I just I think that I genuinely do believe that we can get the dams down and like, you know, even if if it doesn't happen, we can like we try. (laughs) And the topic of like spirit keeps coming up and like, you know, there's even science to back that humans are spiritual creatures. And it seems like, you know, people seem to have a spiritual relationship with these whales and it's a fundamental part of like being a human and that's a huge loss. Like so many people are connected to whales and dolphins, I think more so than other animals, like people who haven't even seen them. There's so many, I feel like half the marine biologists that I meet are like from the Midwest or some square state in the middle where they've never even, they they didn't grow up around that, but that love and that like that connection, like it's still, it drew like drew them to to be where they are now you know i think it's just that's kind of the power of these animals oh i agree there's a real kinship to them i think uh barry swanson he wrote that amazing book lost frequency and he kind of touches on it that there's this frequency that i think that i think there's something to that and i don't i think that we are overlooking that a lot of humans are but Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of humans that can say, I don't know what it is about the Southern resident orcas, but I would do anything for them. And I think that's a common denominator. We all wear that badge of, oh, yeah, you'd do anything for them. Okay, well, that makes us all family one. Mm-hmm. It also, also makes us all hilarious dorcas because we're running around. All we want to talk about is the orcas and how to protect them. Yeah. But then there is also this other, this this place of 
magic where Mm -hmm. it's hard to describe it, but they come to our dreams and they've infused our whole life with wanting to protect something that has nothing to do with our day-to-day making money, getting through life. It has something to do with our wellness of spirit, which I think transcends the, the place of, yeah, I had enough to eat. I think it goes to that other place of but, and I'm, I'm healthy at a whole level, my mm-hmm. mind and my body and my spirit. And I yes. think that it touches on that, I feel. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and that's, that's fundamental too. It's hard though, you know, like when people are, you know, they have to have their basic needs met in order to, to kind of feel that. But it's a fundamental part that that everyone needs to have and everybody is spiritual like that's just part of being human and the whales kind of help us get there but there definitely is a wholeness it's very much unexplainable and even like scientists say this sort of thing too you know and it's not a scientific based thing but it seems to be something that everyone feels and you know I've said before, like one of my favorite things about working on whale watch boats is that is seeing people see whales for the first time or like seeing people make that connection. Like the last boat that I was on, this poor woman was so seasick, but she was still like screaming and so excited that the whales were there as she's like just physically in a a whole different state. But like, even like, it didn't matter that she was throwing up for like an hour off the back of the boat. She was just like, these whales are awesome. Like, you know, so they, they just have that kind of power, like that sort of connection to people. They really do. They really do. There, it goes beyond them just being charismatic and beautiful and magnificent. There's this other piece where, I mean, they're so often, they are like gurus to me. How would they handle the situation? They're starving. They're cold. Their family members have are constantly dying. They're all interconnected to this. You have little babies or children that are having to bring their ailing parents food while they they die. They, they're watching sisters and brothers pass from this earth. They're watching amazing matriarchs leave, and they're, they're swimming on. And there's no malice. There's no rancor. There's no unkindness. They, mm-hmm. they see humans who have captured them and harmed them and ruined their environment. And there's zero negativity. It's, it's this other thing that I think we all aspire to be like that, that place of such goodness and mm-hmm. such loving loving goodness and working together and not the competition of who's the best swimmer and who breaches the most but wow we all found food we're all still alive we're all thriving everyone is is healthy i think that's the aim that i think draws us in of why we admire them is that they're they're doing it right and yet look at them they're slipping into extinction and still they're doing it better than a lot of humans. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, you know, I've said it on here before that ego is is something that gets in the way a lot of times. And, like, obviously this is different, but I'm sure, you know, many people have seen the Tiger King documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, you see that, like, at the end, people cared more about egos than they did the animals. And just imagine kind of the what would have happened to the tigers if, like, that $2.5 million that Carol Baskin spent trying to put Joe Exotic in prison, went to tiger conservation. Um, And, like, you know, if we acted more like the animals that we're trying to save, I think there are more animals, too, out there that that we should look to as well. I mean, the whales are an obvious one, um, but we could learn a lot. But, yeah, they definitely, they're better versions of ourselves, and it is truly astonishing that they're, that, 
like, yeah, that they don't necessarily have that hierarchy. Like, they do have, it's, like, roles, but it seems to be fluid. You know, the grandmas teach, and, like, you know, the moms teach, too. And, um, you know, you said babysitters and things like that. But, like, they're adaptable even still. And, like, you know, you're talking about pulling all of these people's different talents together so that we can come together to save them. Like, we totally have to look to them if we're going to be successful in saving them. Like, they're they're leading us in our endeavors to you know, conserve them. But if we all come together and we all are flexible with our talents too, like that's why I think we can, we can get these dams down. Like ultimately if we follow their lead, like we can save them. Amen. That's the quintessence right there is that the very animals we're trying to save. Mm -hmm. If we emulate how they live, we're going to be able to save them. Yeah. They're leading, they're leading the charge. They're like, Oh, you, you want to work with us on this because they're part of this. Yes. They're, they're as big a piece of this as we are. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, do you have any particular stories of the Southern residents that are um, like that have been that have spoke to you or that you remember really well that have been inspiring? Well, uh, let's see. I mean, they just I love the story. I love all of the stories. I wish I, I, w- I would love to sit here with Sarah Shimazu and Tasley and Gary and just throw around stories because I feel like they're the story keepers and they mm-hmm. have such a litany of incredible uh, stories within them. But some of the stories that I have personally witnessed that I have been amazed by what, that you touched on a little bit with beautiful Gloria was when J28 Polaris, when she was pregnant with little Dipper and she gave birth they were both ailing and she was starving and her calf j26 star she as a youngster she learned how to catch salmon really young and so her sister polaris her sister Telequa and her mom princess angeline everyone was really trying to help polaris thrive and help her to find enough salmon to to live and to feed little dipper and in the end star this little calf, she kept bringing fish to her mom and almost she was watching her mom and her little, her little new sibling. I think, I think Dipper was a little girl. I'm not a hundred percent on that one. I've been a little boy, but just the way that they work together and they face death with such dignity and courage. They don't swim away from it and, oh, well, you're sick. I'm going to leave you to it. They're like, they, they fight for it. They're like, I'm a little kid and I'm going to still bring you food or I'm going to food share or I'm going to do everything in my power or like with J35 carrying her deceased calf on her rostrum for all those days for a thousand miles. They're the champions of courage. Mm -hmm. And so every single one of them is an inspiration to me. I think all of their stories collectively, just hearing them, I live, I live more, purely because I want to emulate them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I they they definitely have something that that any person could resonate. You can everyone can find a whale to resonate with. But yeah, I totally I like I agree with you. They're they're amazing. They're truly truly amazing animals and that's why it's so important to save them at the end of the day, you know? Um, do you have any like final thoughts or things that you, you know, that you would want people to know or you know, messages encouraging them to kind of continue our ideas on what they could do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, 
as we pointed out, it's election year uh, on many, many levels. And so this is the most critical time to put the pressure on politicians. And that's that's the power of the people. And and Snow actually has a great quote from Abraham Lincoln right here. I'll let her read to you. Public sentiment is everything. With public sentiment, nothing can fail. Without it, nothing can succeed. Very true. And, that, and that's it. I mean, Lincoln had it right the first time. And I mean, it, it's, it's never shifted. It's never changed. Um, and so these next... How many months is that? Every month seems like 10 years these days, right? Mm -hmm. So what is that, six months for Mm -hmm. now, roughly? Six and a half months is uh, election day. Um, You know, I don't want to be that person to say, go out and vote. It's Everything happens way before then. Because if, if we can actually start applying pressure, and we have been for a long time, but the more pressure on Inslee to breach the lower four Snake River dams now, is going to earn him the votes he needs to keep his job in November. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually the most critical time to really use your voice and to give him a call uh, on his website. We have it on our website as well. We actually put it on social media quite often. Those calls are worth everything or letters uh, to him. Or, if or even any- handwritten letters. I mean, we're all at home. Yeah. And handwritten letters go so much further than we can. I think we learned there was a political equivalent that, one letter was worth like 2,000 votes or something. Mm-hmm. Wow. And obviously, we're, we're very close. I mean, that, for him to have two years of Orca task force meetings and, and bringing all those people together and, and trying to get as much science and knowledge and bringing all the parties uh, on the, the table at the same time, he cares mm-hmm. and he is involved. It's not an issue that is has been blinded by him. So the more people that can let Governor Inslee know that they care, the more likely he's actually going to do it. And just like the Elwha, I mean, we all know that as soon as those dams are breached, it's going to be such a massive, amazing, uh, just on every level, economic, environmental, uh, humanitarian, every level is just going to go through the roof. Just It's going to be amazing just how we watched everything recover so quickly with the Elwha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you're right. We've got tons of time on our hands, so you can, this is the perfect time to do that because you can really do the research and really do something that's well thought out and absolutely handwritten letters go way further than than um, like typing or calling or something like that. So yeah, I, I like what you guys have to say and hopefully people will feel inspired to do that. But I really appreciate you guys taking the time to chat today. Oh, this is an honor. This is our honor. We're so grateful to get to talk to you and to get to spend this time with you. And I really admire what you're doing because you're broadcasting superpowers and you're sharing what individual people are doing. And I think that's the way you get everyone involved is that, like like we said, like one person with, with courage is a majority. And I think you're empowering each person you interview and then each person who listens with, all right, go do what you can. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. That definitely, that means a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you guys are feeling inspired and want to do what you can to help, check out the PNW Protectors website at pnwprotectors.com. They have a variety of options, campaigns, things that you can get involved in. Also, if you're an Amazon shopper, you can set them up to do Amazon Smile. It doesn't cost any more, but a portion of uh, some of the things that you order can go back to this cause. Have a good day.